Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day to be here. I'd like to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those in our South campus, those watching uh, online and on demand. And to those watching online, let me invite you to be in person at one of our services and in one of our campuses. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. I can guarantee you that. You know, I like to start with something funny, but before I go there, uh, let me just give you a little snapshot of our lives this day. We have three grandkids, four, six, and eight, and the four-year-old is Shep, and he's at this part in his life where uh, he has learned to sing the blessing before we eat, okay? Doesn't matter where we are. Last week, we were in a restaurant. We have to sing the blessing in the restaurant, but that's just what we do. So that reminds me of this lady who invited the pastor over for dinner, but not only the pastor, her entire small group. And there was a lot of things that she was trying to do to get ready for uh, this group to have dinner. And it really, she was stressed out, really stressed out. So the moment came and they were all standing around um, in the dining room, ready to say the blessing. And she makes this call. She said, Well, honey, turning to our six-year-old, why don't you say the blessing for us? Now, that little girl was just frozen there because all these people that she didn't know and she had to say, and she couldn't say anything. She said, I can't. And uh, the mom said, just pray like mommy prayed. Just remember how I prayed. And the girl started thinking about the last prayer she heard her mama pray. And she bowed her head and she said, Good Lord, why did I invite all these people to my house? (laughs) You have to be careful what you say in front of the children because they will repeat what you say. Well, once again, we're glad you're here and we're, we're concluding our series called Rebuilding My Life. Have you ever been in a project that maybe you're halfway through? Maybe it's painting a room. Maybe it's cleaning out the garage. Maybe it's even raising your kids. And you wish that you could just turn back time. And if you could just turn back time, you would do things a little bit differently. I believe that the Word of God gives you the spiritual strength to start over. And I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf. I am talking about rebuilding your life. So here's the main point, the big idea for today's message. If you want to be successful, you must be willing to change even when it's tough. If you want to be successful in your life, you've got to be willing to change even when it's tough. Change is one of the most difficult things that we will ever face. And one reason we don't like change is that we get really comfortable with who we are and where we are in life. I mean, we, um, we get used to our friends, we get used to our job, we get uh, used to the place that we're living in. And even if those things are not perfect, at least they're familiar. At least they're familiar. 
And as a result of that, we get stuck. We get stuck in our lives because we're not willing to change or we have convinced ourselves that change is just too hard. That's what happened to Moses when he was leading the children of Israel in the desert. When Moses was leading this, he had this moment where he was faced to make a big decision, a tough choice. And in that moment, he was not open to change. And so we see his story there on this journey to the promised land. And, and they were in the middle of the desert, extremely thirsty, and there was no water in sight. And the people cried out to Moses. They complained to Moses. And then Moses cried out to the Lord. We pick up their story in Exodus chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, as Moses is crying out to the Lord. Then the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand, take in your hand the staff, the very staff in which you um, struck the Nile and go. And I will stand before you at the rock of Horeb. I want you to strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in front of the elders. When he did, water came pouring out of the rock. Think about this. In the middle of the desert, there is now this stream of fresh water pouring out of the rock. And all the people were so thankful. They were thankful because they were thirsty. It was a great miracle. So think about that. Now, years later, this group of people were in a similar situation. They were in the desert, and once again, they had nothing to drink. And God told Moses to gather the people around this rock. It was the same problem they had before and the same instruction so far. But then God said to Moses, I want you to do something different. Instead of striking the rock, I want you to speak to the rock. God wanted to do something new. But Moses was stuck in the old. God wanted to do something new, but Moses was stuck. He was stuck. And he said, well, you know what? We've never done it that way before. We've never done it that way before. When he saw the rock, Moses took his staff and he thought, well, I know this worked last time. So he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. We pick it up in Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Notice this, water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank, but... The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give you. I don't know exactly what was going on in Moses' mind at that point. I know that he was frustrated. I know that he was tired. He was angry. He was angry because all of the people, all he could hear is them grumbling and complaining. 
And it was like their grumbling and complaining took him to a place where when he was asked to make a change, he didn't do it. He took on their frustration, he took on their complaining, and he just embraced it. And when he was asked to do something different, he pushed away from it. It's just too hard to do. I just can't do it. When I think about that, and I think about our lives, we're talking about being willing to change when things are tough, when things are difficult. I think there's four reasons why change is difficult in our lives. These are simple, quick lists. I think, and and these are the reasons why so many of us just refuse to change when God asks us to make this change. I think, first of all, we've maybe had these problems for a long time. You've been in this situation for a long time. And, you know, old problems and old habits seem to stick around. And just being honest, you didn't get in this problem. You didn't get in this situation. You didn't develop this habit overnight, but you developed it over time. And now you're being asked to change, and you're kind of pushing back. And some of you have had these patterns or this line of thinking or this perspective. And this perspective goes back to when you were a child. And it's just been part of it. In fact, maybe it goes back so far that your parents thought like this, and maybe even your grandparents thought like this. Next week, we're going to talk, uh, start a new series called Generational Faith, and I'm going to talk about breaking those generational tendencies or those generational bondages in a message called Generational Breakthroughs. Because all of us deal with those things, and sometimes they just become... Um, a part of the pattern that we have, and, and we know that they're not good for us, but they're kind of like some of uh, our old friends. You know, we know it's not good for us, but we still hang out with them anyway. I said there's, there's four things that make it difficult for us to change. One is you've had these problems for a long time. The, the second thing is, is that you identify with these problems. I mean, you've had this problem so long that it becomes a part of who you perceive that you are. But you think your problems are just who you are, and you just boldly declare them. And you say, well, you know what? I'm a workaholic. It's just who I am. It's who I've been made with. Or maybe I'm shy. Or maybe I'm just eat too much. Or, or maybe I'm just lazy. And these habits that you have developed are not who you are, but you think they're part of who you are. These habits are not your real self. They are just covering up who you really are. Let me say this. These bad habits are not your destiny. I believe that you can change. I believe that through with God's help, you have the power to change these bad habits that are holding you back. And I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and I struggle uh, with similar things. But they are not who I am. They're not my identity. My identity is in Christ. And with his power, I can get through this. With his power, I can embrace a new way of living. Amen? So we're talking about four reasons why we find it so difficult to change in our lives. Here's the third one. 
that your habits, even though they're bad, your habits reward you in some kind of way. And the reason you're reluctant to change is you're, you're getting that reward. And every time that you do something good or bad, there seems to be some kind of a reward for that. And you have some benefit. But let me say, let me just be gut level honest with you. This benefit, this reward that you're receiving, it is only short-lived. It's just short-lived. And that high that you get, that, that feeling you get when you engage in that activity, when you come down off of that, um, it is like that you feel this guilt or shame or frustration or whatever that is, and you feel like, man, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. Here's the fourth reason you find it difficult to change, and it's because Satan wants to keep you from being the person you're created to be. You have an enemy. His name is Satan, and he tries to hold you back, and he fills your mind with all of these doubts, and he fills your mind with negative thoughts, and he's trying to keep you back. And what he says, here's here's an example of a negative thought you'll never change. That's the negative thought Satan puts in your mind. You'll never change. This situation's hopeless. You will always be like this. And so we hear those things of of, uh, those negative thoughts of Satan, and we believe them as truth. And it develops a stronghold in our life. And we talked about that last week, that strongholds are the lives or lies, lies from Satan that we believe. And so we're going to break those strongholds. And if you're willing, and uh, if if you're willing to change, I believe that you can change with God's power. But I want you to know this: that when uh, we go back to Moses' story, it's interesting to me that he disobeyed God, but God still met the need. That's just interesting to me that he, God said, speak to the rock, but instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and you could see his defiance because the Bible says he struck the rock twice. He struck the rock, rock twice. And as a result of his disobedience, God said, you're not going to go to the promised land. Just think about that. He'd been working for 40 years to get to the promised land. And at this crucial moment in time, his anger overtook him. And now he is suffering from the consequences of his decision. And these consequences is you'll never enter into the promised land. I believe that if we're going to step into our promised land, we've got to be willing to change even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. And you've got to understand that really... What made you successful five years ago may not keep you successful because God may be speaking a new word to you. You've never done it this way before. Last time for you to have success, you struck the rock. But for that success to, um, to continue... You've got to do something different. This time, you've got to speak to the rock because you are in a new season. You are in a rebuilding season. 
And God is lining up these new opportunities, and he's taking you to a new level. And if you're going to embrace this change, and if you're going to have lasting change, it's going to require you to have new thoughts and new attitudes and new obedience and make a new commitment. But it's tempting to do like Moses and keep striking the rock because what you did before worked. But hear me, God is doing a new thing in your life. You've got to forget the former things, and you've got to embrace the new. If you're going to be successful, you must be willing to change, because not every blessing or provision is meant to be permanent. If you're going to be successful, you've got to be willing to change because not every blessing or provision is meant to be permanent. What got you here will not take you there. Because this is the new day. The world has changed. The culture has changed. And God is doing something new in your life so that you can be effective, so that you can be successful in this new world that we are living So stop pushing back. Stop resisting what God wants to do. I want you to embrace it. And I know it makes you nervous because you've never been this way before. But you need to embrace the new. Because God is working behind the scenes so that you can be the person he's created you to be in this generation. Seasons change. And you've got to be open to the new things. Don't get stuck in your past. Don't allow disobedience to keep you from being the person that God's created you to be. Now, look, I know change is scary. I know change can be difficult, but change is necessary for you to grow. So I think there are three things that you need for lasting change in your life. There are three things that you need for lasting change. So uh, I want to make it personal. Instead of, I want to change the word you to I, okay? Here's three things that I need. And I'm just praying this, and I, I thought about this as I wrote it. I said, I need God's spirit to what? To empower me. This is what I need if I'm going to have lasting change in this generation, in this season, in 2024. If I'm going to get through this problem, I need God's spirit to empower me. Lasting change requires a power greater than yourself. And honestly, you just can't do it on your own. You need God's power. Look at the lives of the disciples before the Holy Spirit was poured out. Okay, look at their lives then. And then look at their lives after Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit was poured out. You look at it before, and then you look at it afterwards, and it is amazing to see the difference because the power of God revolutionized their lives. They were given the ability to do things that they thought that they could not do, that they thought were impossible. With the power of the Holy Spirit working through them, uh, they witnessed firsthand people being healed. They saw dramatic salvations. They saw people who are being delivered from demons. They had this instant ability on the day of Pentecost to speak 
in heavenly languages or in a spiritual language. When you receive God's power, you are given the ability to do things that you normally could not do on your own. Now, if we look at the uh, study, the, the role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is very interesting. The Holy Spirit in the original Greek is sometimes called uh, a Greek word called paraclete or parakletos. This is a difficult word to translate in English because it actually means the Holy Spirit is a paraclete, is one who is going to walk alongside of you. He is a counselor. He is a comforter. He is an encouragement. He is an advocate. He is the one who's going to stand and plead your case. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you uh, another advocate. Somebody who's going to plead your case. What is that advocate going to do? The advocate's going to help you, and this advocate is going to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is God's active presence. He lives in us, and he desires to work through us. How does he work? He brings comfort. He brings guidance. I believe he whispers to us, go this way. Go this way, turn left, turn right, take a step. You know those little promptings that you have. That is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that. Some of you have have not had the words to really explain those promptings. You just like, well, I just felt I needed to do this. Could it be the reason you felt like you needed to do this? It was the Holy Spirit active in your life, leading you in that way. And you don't even know, I don't even know why I did this. I don't even know why I did, but I've just felt this is something I needed to do. Have you ever said those words? I just felt like I needed to do that. I just felt like I needed, it's because that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. That is the Holy Spirit guiding you and pushing you in a direction that you need to go in because he sees growth, he sees potential, he sees blessing, he sees favor in that direction, and he is moving you to a place where you can put yourself in the place where you can receive all of God's fullness that he has for you. But too many times, we don't include the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got, oh, I've got this. We just kind of, oh, I've done this before. I've been in this place before. In fact, in that, I remember when I struck that rock, water poured out. And we start rehearsing previous victories. Now, we can gain a lot from previous victories. Previous victories, when I think about what uh, has happened in the past, uh, when I think about that, it causes my faith to rise up for the future. That God has been faithful to me in the past, which means I believe he's going to be faithful to me uh, in the days ahead. So it does cause me to have faith in his power. But I have to be open that he, uh, to allow him to complete what he started and to realize that what he has done in the past may not be the same that he's going to do in the future because he is the God of new things. So just think about that. But too many times we push him away. Oh, no, I, I've got this. 
And instead of operating in the arm of the Spirit, what I do, I've got this, I've got, I can handle this. I start operating in the arm of the flesh. This is what I can do. I'm pretty good, you know. I can do this. I can handle this. And when I push God out of the picture, that is when I find myself weak and I find myself powerless and I find myself in a place where I'm susceptible to temptation and that I start walking in the path that I don't need to be on. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, um, to empower us. When I was 12 years old, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that revolutionized my life. It gave me the Holy Spirit as a, little, as a 12-year-old, um, baptized me in His presence, and gave me this spiritual energy that helped me through many of the twi- twists and turns of my life. And I think ever since that moment, I've just been keenly aware of his activity. Keenly aware. And so I speak to the students here. Don't discount your age or where you are. Because God has his hand on your life. God has his hand on your life. And I want you to learn as a student to hear and understand God's promptings and to see God at work in your life. And some of you have great visions of what your future can be like. And I want you to understand that if you will lean in to God's presence and you will be open to that, that your future, this dream that you have, God is going to take it. He's going to supersize it because his anointing is going to break anything that's going to hold you back and he's going to actually push you forward. He's going to empower you. But it will be in a way that he will get the glory and not you or yourself. That's what Zechariah said. Zechariah said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but it is by my spirit. God is going to pour out his spirit. Then you'll have power. That's what Jesus said. You, I mean, uh, the book of Acts says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the Holy Spirit comes and then the power comes as an evident of that. So how do you get this? How do you receive this power? You receive this power just like you receive anything from the Lord. Just simply ask. Just ask. Luke chapter 11 and 13 said, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Holy Spirit, will the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we just simply ask, God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. But let me just tell you a little insight about this. God cannot fill a vessel that's already full. And so many times in my life, I am so full of myself that I don't have any room for God. We just sang that song, uh, Would You Make Room? That I'm so full of myself that I don't have any room for God. And so that's why we say, God, uh, uh, get the junk out of my life. That's why God, empty me. Just make me a vessel that's ready to receive what you have for me. God, take me and mold me and make me into what you want me to be. 
We're talking about how do you embrace lasting change. This series is about rebuilding your life. And so we want this experience not only just to be a one-time quick thing, but we want it to be lasting. So, um, so I want God's spirit to empower me. The second thing is this. I need God's word to guide me. I need God's word to guide me. Lasting change requires learning the truth and facing the truth. Change always starts with truth. Jesus said, when you'll know the truth, the truth will bring you freedom, will set you free. What do we know? We know that God's word is truth. And the more you do read it and study it and memorize it and meditate on it, the more successful, the more fulfilled, and the stronger you'll be. When Joshua was given the dream of of leading the people into the promised land, okay, you've got to understand this. We were Moses struck the rock when he was supposed to be speaking to it. As a result of that, he was not allowed to go and lead the people into the promised land. So his assistant, Joshua, was given the charge to lead the people into the promised land. So he was given this dream of taking the people over. And what he didn't realize at the point, he just thought that he was going to take uh, the promised land by just crossing the river. But it became his lifelong mission to conquer the promised land. What it says to us is that we have been, here's the picture of where you fit in all this, okay? When we, they were going through the desert, that is like our life when we're going through a desert of sin and unbelief, okay? We cross over, they crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land. We cross over through the waters of baptism, okay? We enter into the promised land of spirit-filled living, of blessing. So when we start to read about Moses and all that, it does speak to us where we live. So Joshua led the people through the waters of the Jordan, through the waters of baptism. Now they're in the promised land, but even in the promised land, they were still enemies that they had to conquer. So when you become a believer, you go through the waters of baptism, there are still enemies, there are still problems that you have to conquer. Okay. And so it's in that moment, as he's preparing to do this, God spoke to him and gave him this vision. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Keep the word of God always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything within it. Keep the word of God on your lips. Think about it day and night so that you can be careful to keep everything written in it. Then notice this. And then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. If you ever intend to be in business for yourself, I encourage you to memorize this scripture. Keep the book of the law, keep God's word in your heart. And notice it, be careful to follow it. Be careful to live it out. The Bible is God's truth. And the, and the more you get into God's word, the more you're going to see things change in a positive way. The more you get into his words, the more you're going to be transformed. The more you get into his word, the more you're going to be sanctified. You're going to be made new. 
You're going to be able to rebuild your life. So when it comes to a personal change, when you're ready to rebuild, you're ready to reset, the Bible, I think, is your manual for rebuilding. Paul said it this way, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the Word of God is going to do in your life. It's going to teach you. At times, it's going to rebuke you. It's going to be, you cannot continue doing what you're doing. It'll just rebuke you right there. It's going to correct you. Here's what I want you to do. And then it's going to train you how to be mature, train you in righteousness. And the Old Testament says, you'll become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. And so the, the Bible is useful for these things so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Verse 17, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, so that you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, You'll be thoroughly equipped uh, to raise your family, to raise your children, to handle money, to equip to make good decisions. I believe the Bible speaks to every part of your life if you're open to receive it. It has the power to change your life. Here's the fourth and final, I mean the third and final thing. I need God's people to support me. I need God's word to guide me. The third one is I need God's people to support me. Lasting change requires community, and I believe it requires coaching. Lasting change in your life requires community and coaching. There are some things that you'll never be able to do on your own. There are some problems in your life that that are so big that you need to team tackle them. In football, when you are playing uh, on a team and on the other team, there's this big guy, this giant kind of guy. This towers above everybody else. You've got to put two people on that. You've got to have a team tackle to get him. You need people in your life who will support you and help you team tackle some of the areas in your life. You need support. You need a small group. Now, a small group typically is four, six, eight people, maybe up to 12 people who meet on a regular basis to become friends, to study God's word, to do things together, and to support one another. A small group is important because it is just small enough for you to be gut-level authentic. Now, let me say this. You don't need to be gut-level authentic with everybody. But just with um, a couple of people, one or two people need to know. You don't need to tell your drama to everybody. You don't need to post your drama on social media. But you do need to talk to one or two people about that. You need somebody that will help you process that. To help you think through that. And the the moment you tell one person, you get this instant power that you don't get in any other way. Jesus said it this way, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. That when you're able to share intimately, that that you're able to to reach out for help, you're going to find the strength. Today's small group Sunday. And I think about this, when Jesus started his ministry that changed the world, he started with a small group. He started with 12 people. 
Because Jesus understood that you're not meant to do life alone. Small groups are here to connect you with people who share your interests as well as people who are maybe in similar life stages that you're in. They meet different places. Some groups meet here at the church on Mondays and Wednesdays. Some groups meet in homes or restaurants. Some groups are online groups. I don't think you'll ever experience genuine community and understand, really experience what the church is all about until you connect with other people, connect in a small group. And if you don't have a small group, you can text the word groups to 706-222-7123. Or at all of our campuses, you can go out into the lobby right after this service and you can talk to people and say, hey, just say this. You don't know what to say. It's just, hey, tell me about your group. That's all you have to say. Just tell me about your group. And those people are willing and able to tell you about their group. And just, just hear them out. I'll tell you, when we first started the church um, a long time ago, we had small groups. And the funny thing is we had small groups and the church was a small group because it was so small. But uh, in those days, we called our small group ministry kinship groups. Uh, we changed that because, you know, when you say kinship, you think about the Beverly Hillbillies, the kinfolk, or the Dukes of Hazard, or something. So we reshaped that. But kinship really means your closest relationships. It means your closest family. You know, when somebody has an accident, what do, you just, what do they say? Have you contacted the, the next of kin? You ever heard that? You have contacted contact the next of kin. Well, kinship... Uh, really means your closest relationships, the, the next of kins, the, that we should be there in that attitude to love one another, care for one another. This is the message of Acts chapter 2. They spent their time learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other. If you want lasting change in your life, I want you to open yourself out uh, up to two or three people, be a part of a small group, and they will be there to support you in those times of crisis and you will be there to support them in their time of crisis because you've either just come through a problem or you're going through a problem right now or there's a problem looming just the days ahead and we need each other in those times and if you'll do that if you'll ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit you'll look to his word for guidance and that you'll connect with a few other people I believe that this lasting change that you want will be made possible in your life. Let's stand in our Grovetown campus. Let's stand up, South Campus. Let's stand in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to pray over you today, okay? As I pray, sometimes you wonder, well, what do you do? You can just say, God, let Marty's prayer be my prayer. You know, uh, we often use the word, and this is a teaching moment, we often use the word amen, and we think amen is just a good way to close a prayer. And it is. But amen, actually, word, the word amen actually means so be it. And so your response to this prayer that I'm going to pray over you may be amen, Lord, amen. So be it. Let this happen in my life. Other times you will want to pray with me. You'll, you'll pray and just, God, help me. And you start to name specifically where you need help. And you just pray along with that too. So that's your response. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray that your presence would be strong, that you would come and empower us. Father, I pray that your word will come alive in us and that you would mature us. Come, Holy Spirit, touch people right now who are in the moment of crisis. They're in a moment of uh, great intensity and great stress or great anxiety. I ask God that you would move in this Uh, in this church, at our campuses today. Let this be a moment where the the burden is lifted. Let this be a moment where new life is spoken. God, let this be a moment where dreams and visions are released. I pray for those, Lord, that that you have been prompting because you have, have a vision for their life. You have a vision for their family. You have a vision for their ministry. You have a vision for their business. God, I ask that you would stir up that dream in their heart. I ask, God, that you would empower them to a place where this would be a turnaround moment. This would be a moment where uh, they're able to step into their new season. That they're able to step into their new anointing. They're able to step into this new business. So, God, give them the insight and the wisdom. And, Father, I also pray for those that are struggling in their health. Over the last three weeks, we've prayed, and over and over, I saw cards, Lord, that that's, uh, cried out for healing. So I am praying right now that you would heal people in Jesus' name. So, Father, we say to you, God, we receive. Say that, God, I receive. Say that a little bit louder than that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, God bless you today. Thanks so much for being here. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next week as we start a brand new series called Generational Faith. Stop by the lobby and and meet a a small group leader. Be blessed. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.